four on the clock. Armstrong with a drive, scores! Nasty to the goal, Trezenovic cutting in on the backhand, in front, shot it, Armstrong scores! Armstrong with a drive, he scores! That's four for Armstrong! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. And Derek Armstrong has the gloves off with Robida. I think those guys are going to go. What a couple of hard hits, and now Armstrong wrestles Robida down to the ice. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. We've got another installment of our Once a King series where we speak to former LA Kings about hockey, their time in LA, and the forces that shaped their career. Today, Derek Armstrong. Joining me now, Kings PA announcer Dave Joseph. Very noted today. Hi, Jesse. And for our Once a King episode Derek Armstrong how you doing today Derek or army I should call you army yeah no one calls me Derek but my right. wife but when you <laughs> do call my name can you say bingo b-i-n-g-o bingo was his name I absolutely can thank you you can <laughs> well, I, I won't but I can <laughs> uh army let's uh, go ahead and start off you grew up in Ottawa correct yeah I grew up yeah I was born in Ottawa but my um my dad was military so moved all over Canada but I was born in Ottawa then ended up in Ottawa at the end and what age did you start playing hockey? So I was born in Ottawa at uh, zero years old <laughs> in that great hospital, Ottawa International Hospital. And then uh, we moved to Inuvik, which is 250 miles past the Arctic Circle. No kidding. So, so we lived up there in outdoor rinks. I was on that a little bit. Then we moved back to Ottawa when I was four. So I learned how to skate on the Ottawa Canal, which is... Uh, on the Rideau Canal? The Rideau Canal. Nice. Yeah, the Rideau Canal. My, my grandma lived right across the street from it, so it's... They go out there, water it up, and they they threw those um, bob skates. If you guys know the bob skates, the two runner skates on my running shoes. I had those. Yeah, yes. and you still use them. We're both about the same age. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah. Davy Joe used to watch. <laughs> we got stories about Davy Joe watching me in Long Island. But anyways, uh, back to that. Yeah. So yeah, I I, I I I had the bob skates. My my grandma, and my mom, and dad would put me out there, and then I started playing hockey at uh, four years old. But my, you know, my mom's visiting actually. Um, and we talk about hockey and, and, and the state of the game of youth. And my parents to this day, mom to this day, still cannot believe that I ever played professional hockey, played pro hockey. She had no aspirations. <laughs> she put me in hockey solely to burn energy. <laughs> burn energy. That was it. She goes, I'll put you there. You're a very shy, timid kid, but you had so much energy. We put you in hockey just to burn energy. How old were you when professional hockey became a, a reality? Like, when? How old were you when you remember thinking, I have a shot at this? I don't think I, 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 I don't think I ever had a shot, but I, I just <laughs> I, I thought just like every kid, I thought I was going to play in the NHL from when I started playing five years old. You know, I we went to the military base at six. I get, six years old, we moved to baseboard in um, after playing in Ottawa. So seven years old, I went to baseboard. And I, seven, I was playing. I tried out for the team, and then I got called up. I played with eleven year olds when I was seven. So. You know, on the base team, you just it's just like house league and be hockey. So we travel, but I, they 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 asked me to play up uh, when I was seven years old. So at that 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 at that stage, I was you know I've had I found out that I mind for the game. I wasn't a great skater, but I I fell in love with the game. It was everything to me. I you know I slept with my sticks. I watched hockey in Canada every day with dad. I you know I lived and breathed. I played street hockey all the time. I just we didn't have all those 
you know, David Joe, no, no video games, none of that stuff. We, just, <laughs> we never got highlights. The only highlights we got were to read the paper, and I didn't like reading, so I didn't read the paper. So, but we just we we sat around and I played hockey with my friends all day long. I just I, I fell in love with it when I was seven, and then we moved to, so that's when we uh, seven, eight, and then my my dad had the option. It's so crazy. My parents were about about sports, and, and, and me keeping busy is eight years old. My dad got a posting to Bermuda. But instead, not a lot of hockey in Bermuda. Instead, he took a Nubik, which is 250 miles past the Arctic Circle. So it's minus, it's six months light, six months dark there. So it's, it's dark, there's a lot of depression for sure. <clears throat> and in the summertime, it's light the whole time. So to this day, I don't know why my mom and dad ever took that posting, but obviously they want me to burn energy. So a good story when I was nine years old, a lot of people have heard this story. This is when I really knew I, you know, I was a decent hockey player. And the Nubik, it's kind of like Mystery Alaska. There's a game every Saturday. Mm. You know, the best kids get to play on Saturday for a game. So, my dad, my dad never played hockey, but he's a good athlete. He has uh, thirteen brothers and sisters, so they played a lot of sports growing up, and always good athletes, but never played hockey. You know, good at running, volleyball, everything like that. So in Anubik, my dad was a military guy, and he, he loved giving back to kids. My mom and dad were always great with kids. They did everything they could to give back to kids and make kids smile. So that's why I really appreciate working with with, with kids now. But uh, so my dad coached one team and I played on the other. He never, my dad never wanted to coach me. He didn't know enough about hockey to start, but he knew enough about life lessons. So the one Saturday game we're playing, I go out, I score nine goals in the first period. Pretty good, pretty good period. Yeah. Nine goals in the first period. So my dad's like, we better trade him because it was nine nothing. So he traded me to his team. I go on his team. I score 10 goals from the second and third period. So we win 10-9 I score all 19 goals in the game. <laughs> So that whole week, and I, I was I was a very shy kid, humble. You guys yeah. would not believe it now, but I, I was scared to death. I always hung around my dad, mom's leg. I just I didn't talk to many people. I just liked to play, and for some reason, sports just brought out the competitiveness in me. You know, so I scored all 19 goals. I go Monday to school, and you know, I was just a shy kid. Everyone's talking about, man, you're going to go to the NHL. You're the I'm, I'm I'm living in a Newvik. <laughs> there's, there's like 10 people that play hockey. You know, so I'm living in Newvik. So my dad always had these ways of, of, of teaching life lessons. So that whole week, obviously, I was like, man, I'm in, deep inside, I'm like, I'm pretty good at this sport, you know, good, good. So Saturday comes around, and I can just see my dad's got something brewing up, brewing up. And you see it in his eyes, military guy, they're always treat, teaching lessons, you know. Not in a bad way, but they always always want you to stay humble. So that Saturday, we go in a game. I go back to my original team. My dad coached one. He puts four kids on me. Four kids of me, I don't touch the puck the whole game. <laughs> we lose 4-1. My mom is so mad at him. We come back to the dinner table. And I, my mom is so mad at him. I went from 19 goals to not even get a shot on next. He put four kids, we lose 4-1. My dad at the dinner table at the dinner table, I could just see my mom just staring daggers <laughs> to my dad. And my dad looks at me and goes, kid, you better start passing a dang puck. So from, from that, uh, that day on, I became a passer yeah, wow. and, and fell in love with the game. So it was it was it was you know, interesting story, but right, right there, it shows you that it's the ultimate team sport. You know, mm -hmm. I, I scored those goals on my own, and if I didn't use my teammates, I obviously wasn't a very good player. So I learned a valuable lesson that night at the dinner table. Did you have any players that you looked at? I mean, you mentioned you didn't have uh, highlights or, or anything like that, but did you have a player that you idolized growing up that you looked up to? Yeah, and, and you know, back to that Nubik story, obviously Wayne Gretzky was all our favorite player. So uh, my dad was, obviously was up in the military there, and he, we got to meet him, so we played at Anubik. Um, My dad got a Herc. He asked the military to fly a Herc down to Edmonton, which you know some people have never been on a military plane. It's a military plane that 
travels to bring military and my dad for some reason you know he got was he able to get a hurt to come up there and we brought five teams down to Edmonton to West Edmonton wow so at the same age, nine years old, I, I, I got to uh, meet Wayne Gretzky, went to West Edmonton Mall. And the greatest thing about that trip, you know, it, it still humbles you. Stories always humble you, you know, when you're going through things or think you're better in the world or whatever you get to, you know. So my dad got a Herc, Herc for all the kids. So he got all the Inuit kids. He got, he got all the hockey players, all the families that fly down there. And when we got to West Edmonton Mall, we, you know, we got to meet Wayne Gretzky, Mark Messi, everyone in the dressing room that's nine years old. Um, the Inuit kids, there was, I don't know if you guys ever heard of West Edmonton Mall, it has a swimming pool, it has a skating rink, it's the second biggest, large. I think it's the largest mall compared to Mall uh, the, right. It's got amusement park, it's got water park, everything. And some of the Inuit kids who've never left the Inuit, for six hours straight, they just sat and watched the elevator go up and down. <laughs> they pressed the button, watched the elevator wow. go up and down. So I still have that kind of memory. But uh, yeah, I got to meet Wayne Gretzky and Mark Messi, the whole the whole Oilers team in 80, in 81 in, in West Edmonton Mall. So it's a pretty cool experience. And Later on in uh, to what 1999, I got to play with Wayne Gretzky and he signed the picture for me. So that's amazing. It's pretty cool. I got in my basement. Yeah, yeah. How do you wind up on the Hawksbury Hawks? Uh, another great story. You know, we moved back from all. I lived in. Uh, we lived. My dad got out of the military from Anuvik. We got out of the military. My sister wasn't a great place for a 16 year old girl up there. You know, my sister was getting a little bit in trouble, but not in a bad way. Just there wasn't a lot for her to do. So my dad ended up. Getting out of the military, moved to uh, British Columbia, which is uh, DeRoche, BC, um, small town. My parents bought the, the post office there, and I was playing hockey there. And I hold on, yeah, they bought the post office. Yeah, it's, in that in that town, there's a post office and a general store. That was it. I, was I it. There's no confess gas station. my knowledge of Canadian yeah. government is not as <laughs> yeah, as, yeah, as yeah, powerful yeah. as it should be, but yeah. you can buy a post office. There's a post office in town. Yeah, it, it, was, <laughs> right. it, was, it was the size of a urinal. It okay. was it was small <laughs> a small post office right beside the right beside the general store. There's no gas station, no nothing. There's fun. Did they have to deliver the mail too? My dad was on the rural route. Yeah, every oh. morning at four a.m. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the rural route going. We got up. See, yeah. all right. I've been so it's like a farm town. It's a little small town. Every morning, my dad get up at four in the morning. Yeah, delivered all the mail to all the farmers. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. Christmas was great because we got all the cookies. So we got the, that's it. <laughs> so Christmas time, they gave us all the cookies and all the all the. All the all the farmers would, would bake mom and dad cookies. We had tables and tables. Wow. And Obviously, maybe that's from my sweet tooth now, you know. But, <laughs> well, yeah, I've lived an interesting life. You know, my dad's, the Daruru car, you're supposed to drive on the other side, though, because you had to deliver to the yep. mailbox. My dad didn't have that. So his actually had a, there was a hole in the ground. So you see a little Datsun B210. You drive it and get out at every stop and put it, and, you know, they wanted to do the opposite. So I go with them the odd time. And, Go all the farmers, and that's why I learned how to drive. Yeah, when I was like fourteen wow. years old, and we used to go on the roof with my dad. <laughs> so I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You were yeah, like, <laughs> no, you fire away. I can talk all day about you know I I love this great sport and, and sharing stories. So, so we ended up there, and then uh, 13 years old, I went and tried out for the Supermax. There's a Supermax tournament in um, British Columbia, which you're playing for your 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 trail for your um, province. So like state championships, we try. I was trying out for British Columbia team, British Columbia, and they, they play in a big tournament across the country. All the states get to play. So I went in there at 13 years old to, to British Columbia. I just played B hockey in Mission, you know, small small town. I could score at that level. So I went. In, I went and tried out for the the team the team British Columbia. I got invited. I went and I led the whole thing in scoring. I led the whole thing in scoring. Poly Korea, all these guys were in there, and they they cut me. They cut me because just I was just a small town kid, so all the politics huh. of hockey. They cut me from the team. My dad said, "You know what? We 
we might have to get you to a different place to play hockey. So I, I went in there. I was, I was really good. I let it all in scorn, and they didn't even give me a chance. So my, my parents decided once again. They said, you know what, we're picking up and leaving. I came home from that child. Two days later, we, we packed up everything. My dad sold it to the post office, and we moved to Ottawa, which my mom's family's from. They have nine brothers and sisters. So we packed up. No job, no nothing. Packed the cars and took off to Ottawa. So we get we get to Ottawa. Same thing. We you know we, we had to find a team. My parents are just very humble people. So we walked into a sports star in Ottawa. Um, Ed Scapachera. He owned a <coughs> excuse me. He owned a local sports store. We walked in. We just did move there. And he goes. My dad was like, yeah, we're looking for my son to play on the team. He's like, well, lo and behold, he was the coach of the team, uh, 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 Bantam Double A team. We walk into the sports store. He goes, would you suddenly like to try out him? He's like, yeah. Go out, first practice, they name captain. You know, my, wow. my dad had always told me, always says, if you're going to try out, you always got to be the first in line. No matter who, what team you're on, you always be the first in line because people are watching. The people that are first in line are always, my dad always this knowledge. I don't know how he had it. <coughs> Excuse me. He always said he'd be first in line. So I went out there, I was first in line every drill and flying around and ended up making this PE South Ottawa Warriors, you know, and I still my best friends from ninth grade on that team. I still talk to him a lot. So I ended up making that team. Had, you know, a couple of good years there. A lot of guys, you know, Adrian O'Quinn played, Brad Smith, they all played in that league. So a lot of guys, Aaron Ward, you know, a lot of guys yeah. played in that league. So ended up playing that team. And then two years later, you know, we were going all right. I still, I was not, not known for being a great skater. I, you know, I had a pretty good hockey brain and, and, and could distribute the puck well, but I wasn't known for great skater. So I started working my skating. There's a scout called Paul Stanton, uh, John Stanton. My uncle, my one uncle, my godfather used to work for the city. And so did John Stanton, but he was like a local scout. And he watched me those couple of years, and he, he, leave the, he left a message one day on my phone. He goes, uh, there's, a, there's a guy named um, Bob Hartley. He's coming to watch you play. No one knew who he was, you know. I'm like, okay. My dad's like, there's someone to come watch you. I didn't talk. I was scared to death. He's like, you better play hard, son. There's a scout. There's a guy coming to watch you named Bob Hartley. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I played hard anyway because I was scared of my dad to let my dad down because he got money. He said, you can play hockey all your life. Just make sure you work hard. I said, okay. So I always had that in my heart. So I went out, played a pretty good game, and this guy, Bob Hartley, which everybody probably knows who Bob Hartley is, ended up liking me. So that's how I ended up in Hawkesbury. And then John Stanton, after that, you know, Bob Hartley, he called my mom and dad and said, on an answering machine, he goes, one day your son's going to make a lot of money playing hockey. And he's him, my mom and dad, are probably the only three people that ever believed that I could ever play professional hockey. Everyone else in the world said I had no chance in my lifetime. So he saw something at you at, at how old are you, 15? 15, yeah. Well, that's pretty yeah. impressive. Yeah. 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 Which, is, which is about when yeah. kids are on the radar these days. Yeah. When you start growing into a man. And I wasn't a, like, I wasn't a kid that was flashy. Like, I was my skating. My mm -hmm. skating's always been a trouble. You know, I just, he just had, I seen how much I loved playing. Mm -hmm. You know, I seen how much... You know, I didn't talk. I'd score goals, and I would just seem like I loved my teammates. He seen I loved the game of hockey, how I acted. I was humble. He just, he just seen something. You know, I always remember that. For those who don't know, Bob Hartley, former NHL coach of uh, Calgary Flames, the Atlanta Thrashers, won that cup at Colorado. Avalanche. Colorado, yep. that's right. Yeah, um, and most recently, the head coach of Team Latvia. Yeah, and, <laughs> and for you guys, and for my nickname to him still when I see him is Brofa, strong arm in French. He calls me Brofa. He still does. I just seen him a couple of years ago. He goes, ah, brafa. So he's, you know, he had a little bit, he was a very hard coach, but he had a good impact on my life for sure. I know this isn't exactly the point of the story, but I just want to backtrack one second. Uh, you said very casually that your family then sold the post office that they bought. 
They like, sold, how so, easily are post offices bought? They sold it to my and uncle actually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we bought it from my my because my dad had thirteen in this town. But that's where my dad grew up. There's they're kind of like the outsiders. They, they had thirteen brothers and sisters, and both their, my dad's parents died when he was nine. So they're like the the outsiders. They just ran around town rumbling people. My dad was my dad was a smart one. So he was. They all ended up being lumberjacks or whatever, but they all just rumbled. They ran the town because they had no parents around. So my dad lived with his uncle since 18. So when we moved out, my uncle was the one who owned it, Uncle Uncle Jack. So we bought it from Uncle Jack, and then we sold it to any any toots, I think, after. So we just kept it. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so you, cool. you mentioned that you only had three people at that age who'd ever believed in you. Yeah, yeah. Um, you make the transition from the Hawks to the Sudbury Wolves. Yeah. At that point, did you get start getting people, no, more it, people on board with Derek great, Armstrong? Another great, I've had, you know, I've had a grudge on my whole life. So I go into Hawkesbury at 16. So I played tier two at 16, you know, that's really good hockey. I think it was me and Aaron Ward were the only two 16 year olds. So I went from 15 years old to 16 was a big jump because not a lot of people played junior hockey. So at 15, Bob Harley found me and I went and played tier two, which is a central junior league. At 16, there's only two 16 year olds in the league, me and uh, Aaron Ward. So that year, I didn't get to play very much. That was my OHL draft year. I didn't get to play very much, but we in the two years that I played, doing the last two games, two uh, nine games in two years, we had a guy Nicholas Perot drafted the Calgary Flames off team. So really good. I think I only had uh, like 17 points in 52 games. I didn't learn to play, but I learned how to practice. Bob was really hard in practice, and I learned details of practice and stuff. So that taught me a little bit of work. So that year, I think. To be honest with you, I think they they hid a little, they hid me a little bit. You know, they didn't play me too much. Cause I don't think they wanted me to go to college instead. Because if they, I went to college, I would have stayed there for four years and played at Hawkesbury. <clears throat> so they always pushed the college to me. But I just, I've always dreamed of playing junior hockey, and I, it was just when I get something set in my mind, I'm, I'll find a way to do it. Just my personality from my, you know, my dad's they're workers, Armstrongs are workers, you know. So when I played in Hawkesbury. That year, I didn't have a great year, but I was fourth line center at 16 years old. All my buddies were begging me to play midget because they went to the midget cup and all this, but I just, I, I was ready to make a step, you know. So, all, actually, those guys get drafted. So, I get drafted to the OHL. I get a call from uh, Sam McMaster. He used to be the yeah. GM here, yeah. I get a call from Sam McMaster. Some of my buddies have been drafted, da da da. And he calls me and goes, You Derek Armstrong? I said, Yeah. He goes, You've been drafted to the Sudbury Wolves. I said, Oh, that's awesome. He goes, Are you going to come to camp? I said, yeah, but you're drafted 22nd round. You know, and most of my, I was the last drafted pick in the OHL draft, 22nd round. Oof. So out of two, you're drafted 22nd round. So I'm like, the way I thought more than others, you know, some of my friends got who played the midget ended up going like 10th, 11th, 12th, and none of them went to camp. You know, I'm like, in my own brain, the way I thought, I'm like, why wouldn't I go to camp? Someone's got to like me. You know, someone's got to like me. So I'm like, of course I'm going to camp. What are you talking about? Am I going to camp? He's like, okay, but. So I show up in a camp, 22nd round, no one really looks at you, you know, they just they just pick me. They had all first rounders, you know, Muzz was there, Glenn Murray, Michael Pekka, Brandon Convery, all these incredible hockey. Sean O'Donnell was great to me. I knew I knew OD from, from Ottawa. Great players. I show up there, played really well. I go in a, I was 17 year old. I played really well. And I got cut. I just got cut from OHL at 17. So I was devastated, you know. I thought when you're 17 years old, like my career's over, hockey's over, you know. So I'm like, I'll go back to Hawksbury Hawks, and you know, and and Sam's like, Sam was like, oh, he can come back next year, you know. So obviously now I think I have to go to college because I think 17 years old, I'm cut. I don't know anything about you know at that age, you know where your mind is. You're living in the moment. You don't live in the future or past. You're living in the moment. Like I just got cut. My career's done. 
So I go back to Hawkesbury. We had a really good team. We lost four games that year. We went right to the uh, uh, National the RBC Cup, I think it's called now. Really good team. I ended up winning MVP, winning MVP. But during that season, I got called up two games to Sudbury. And I had two points in two games. But I remember playing Sudbury at 17. I'm like, oh, my God. This hockey's so fast. I remember, I remember when I got called up, I'm like, I don't know if I could ever play this. Because skating was always my issue, you know. But I, for some reason, I could catch up to pace. It just took me a little bit while. So I wanted to play two games. I'm like, oh, man. I don't know if I can play that. So we go back to Hawkesbury, still still grow as a player, you know. Everyone in the world still doesn't think I can play anywhere, you know. Just the, the way I looked on the ice, I didn't look like a typical hockey player, but I was smart, smarter than most. So the following year, 18, I go back to OHL, come into camp. All the first, Brandon Convery, Michael Pekka, they're all, all the first rounders were there. Really good hockey team, you know, and learned a lot from those guys. I, I go in, end up making a team, and end up leading the team in scoring. Had 86 points in 66 games. The team is scoring 18. I get drafted that year. I get drafted that year. Uh, so during the year, you know, people started talking to me then. So 18, I started to get a little bit of, of knowledge. I, I beat Chris, Chris Gratton out. Chris Gratton ended up beating me out for rookie of the year, but he was 16, I was 18. He had he had 66, 68 points in 66 games. I had 86. I beat him almost 30 points, and they still gave him a, a rookie of the year because he was younger than me. So I still, they still just were, beat me down, beat me down, you know. And then I talked to a couple of scouts there, um, ended up getting drafted. So I graduated on a Friday night. I went to my prom Friday night. My mom and dad picked me up uh, 7 a.m. on Saturday morning, drove to Montreal and got drafted that night. So that weekend I graduated wow. from high school and got picked, drafted Saturday night. And I remember That's a pretty the, good weekend. Yeah. <laughs> it's <a> nice weekend. <laughs> but I, I remember the draft, you know, and it's just, this is just how I, I process you know, everyone's there. You know, mom and dad and everyone was so excited, but I was so exhausted. And all these, all the draft picks were going out. It's Montreal, you had to go out. You know, I just, I just remember going home with mom and dad, just laying in bed, and just, it was so surreal to me that I even got drafted in the NHL. So, from from there, uh, I went in the camp, and uh, Al Arbor, Al Arbor really liked me. You know? This is with the Islanders. Yeah. yeah. So 18, 18, yeah, that's when David Joe. I go on a 19 to my first camp, and I was, I was so naive and so. You know, overwhelmed and not even sure that I remember uh, somebody got a taxi to pick me up from my host because I was going to New York. I'd never been to New York City or anything like that. And I remember getting to the, you had to fly to Toronto. So I got to Toronto. I'm going across the border. I didn't have a passport. So <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, right. even, I didn't even know I was supposed to bring my passport. Right. Well, why would you? And luckily, I got in. They let me in with right. just my ID back to back. They asked my passport. I didn't, no one told me to bring a passport. So I, I was lucky I even got to go to my first training camp because I, no one, you're a kid. I mean, who's, they, they expect you to know this stuff. I didn't know anything about a passport or anything. So I'm in, sitting in Toronto International Hope Airport, going to my first NHL camp with no passport in mind. So <laughs> I didn't even know. So, but I ended up going to camp and I was, I played pretty well in camp actually. I could, I could always score, you know, I just, I, I love to score and I think that was my niche. I love to score. I had Pat Flatley, Pierre Turgeon, you know, all these guys that were just, you know, my energy. And that's when I started to become more of the person I was, where I was high energy, lots of in addressing me, more of a character, you know. And so the older guys kind of take a liking to me. So that year I had a really good training camp. I led all the rookies in scoring in our, in our rookie scoring. Then I went back to junior, had a really good year. 19, led the team scoring at 106 and 66, which was awesome. You know, I got to play with Glenn Murray, OD, really good people and, and obviously still friends with them and really learned a lot from those guys because they were, they were really good hockey players you know they, they were I was more of a late bloomer and then from then on and you know I got stuck 
long time in the minors and long place, yeah. I want to talk about that. Yeah, Specifically, yeah. I want to talk about your draft class. Yeah. Because um, I was I was looking at the draft, uh, you know, doing some research for this. Um, you were taking, oh, I've lost it now. Six pick, fifth, fifth, fifth. Six-round, fifth-picked Islanders. Yeah. 128th overall. 128th overall. So 128th overall. Oh, thanks, David Joe. But out of your draft class, 36th in games played, 26th in points, and 25th in goals. And that's after spending the first half of your career in, Nine years, in, the, yeah. in the minors. Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you really think it's just as simple as people didn't like your skating? I mean, it really does feel like you got jobbed. I truly, that's why I firmly believed I belonged in the NHL for years. You know, I, I won all the awards in AHL. I, I love the game so much that, you know, I love being around the game. I, and I watched some players get these opportunities, especially when I was in New York. You know, I was, you know, I was pretty good in the AHL. I had some really good players like Brad Smith. I've always played with really good players. You know, goal, goal scorers from here is what I needed because I was more of a distributor. But for years and years, they, people just, you know, one time I got called up the Islanders, I was on a, I mean, the Rangers, you know, well, well let, let's go back to 20 a little bit. So I'm 20 years old. I go in, it, it, my whole career has been like this. I go in at 20 years old, uh, uh, Islanders. I go to Salt Lake. It gets Dave Farish, who's the coach. He coached a lot. He coached Anaheim. He's, I think he's Colorado. No, he was good. He's, you know, he first thing he said to me, legs feed the wolf. And I remember that to this day. First day of camp, he goes, the legs feed the wolf. Because my skating he goes, if you don't move your legs, you're going to get eaten by the wolf. So I've always kept it in my head, you know, and I, because I was a lot smarter than a lot of players, you know, so I could always, that's part of the reason why I was in the minors for a long time, because people watch me play and I always have the puck, but they're like, how? How does he have it? He can't skate. You know, just, <laughs> it, just, I just, it just came to me. But anyways, but 20 years old, I get uh, Salt Lake Golden Eagles. You know, I go there, training camp, I play pretty good. There's a guy by, you guys probably know, a guy named by Zygmunt Pelfi. Oh, yeah. He ended up being my, my roommate that year. But anyways, he was there. And we became friends, you know. He said he couldn't speak English. I was, you know, we we were like freaking frack. He was, you know, totally different personalities, totally different players. But for some reason, we clicked. So I get there in training camp. I play really well. They want to sign me, but they offer me a three-way contract. I just led. The What's I've heard of a one-way and a two-way. Two I've never heard of a yeah, three-way. Three-way is go home. No, yeah, but East, yeah, yeah, they go. They, they don't have a, a big chance of playing a long time. Right. It's three-way, just okay. Take this contract. and We'll try to bury you. So I was like, no, I'm going to go back and play overage junior. So three-way was AHL, NHL, East Coast League. So you made okay. less money in the East Coast League than the AHL. And I was, you know, when, when I get some of mine, I was like, I told my agent, I'm like, I'm not signing a three-way contract. I I just played in preseason. I'm better than – and we had, I think, six first-rounders. We had uh, Dave Chanelth, Scotty Sisson, Steve Junker, um, who else? Kevin Shoveldayoff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we had, we had six first-rounders on the team, so – you know, I'm like, I'm out here with these six first round guys who picked the first round in their age group, and I'm playing better than them. Why am I signing? Why would they want to sign me to a three year, three way contract when these guys are getting $150,000 bonuses to get a two way contract? I'm, it, it, it was absurd to me, you know, but for some reason, I was just that guy that they always tried to get cheap and knock down. So I finally ended up getting that. I was getting on the plane, go back to Sudbury, play overage, and then right at the 12th hour, they ended up signing me to the two way deal. So. First eight games, I didn't play. I didn't play a game. Didn't play a game, and someone had given hurt, and then I ended up playing with Zygmunt Pelfi and almost and lost the rookie of the year in the IHL to Radic Bonk. Yeah, <laughs> Radic yeah. Bonk, another Ottawa. And man. then, but I, I, like, I got lucky along the way. Like Ziggy, I got to play with Ziggy, and I mean, he's probably the best player I've ever played with in my life, even seen. So me and Ziggy played together that year. We he lived with me. We became a friendship. So it was 
So I got lucky. It's not just on my own. You know, I got a lot of players to play. So right there from 20, I got there. Then I um, get the stories going a little quicker. Then we went to um, the next year, went to Denver in the, in the IHL after winning almost rookie of the year. Go to Denver, played an unbelievable team. I mean, we lost 18 games all year. It was We had Andy Brickley, Gordon Ean, Tommy Salo, Zygmunt Pelfrey, you know, a good buddy of mine named Jeff Circa who helped me along the way. All these, Norman Rossforth, um, Doug Crossman, Kip Miller. I mean, our team was awesome. So I went there. Butchie Goyne was our coach. So I go to Butchie, go, go there. They end up, I went to the Islanders. I, I got called up my first game when I was 20 years old, which was incredible at South Beach. And my mom and dad couldn't afford to go down and watch. So it's kind of a tough moment. You know, I got called up my first NHL game when I was 20 years old. Not many people can say that. So I get called up that year. I played with uh, Ziggy in, in Florida. I remember that game. It was awesome. But anyways, after that game, I go back. I go to training camp with the Islanders. Last cut. I, I should have made the Islanders and I'm getting last cut. But then I go to IHL, that really good team. And they didn't play me. Butchie Gordon played me on the fourth line. And I remember after that after that game in IHL, you know, I, I settled into being a role player because that team was really good. Role player. And at the end of the year, I remember Butchie Gordon to this day, he looked at me and said, Army, uh, you probably shouldn't play hockey. You should probably just play in the AHL. You're not going to play anywhere. <laughs> Jeez. And I'm, I'm like, okay. Da, da, da. So anyways, I'm, that's why I've had so much you know, passion towards this game and, and towards little people that don't get the opportunities. So I go back there, devastated. I go home in the summer. Islanders ended up uh, hiring me uh, ended up hiring me a, uh, a power skating coach, and they got me a workout program. So that summer, I really put the work in the summer. I never knew. I mean, I worked out in the summer, but not the way you're supposed to work out. You know, I'd spend three hours in the gym, bench press squats, you know, playing racquetball, going to the steam room. You know, I thought that was working out. So I really learned about being a pro that summer. Uh, I came back the next year, and they, they uh, so I should have made it that year. I come back that year, they end up sending me to Worcester. Worcester. I just got a coach named Jimmy Roberts. I got, I'll give you two stories on Jimmy Roberts, if you guys don't mind. <laughs> Jimmy Roberts, so he was a Montreal Canadian, he won Stanley Cups there, just an old, old goose, man. He, he was as mean as they got, but he had a big heart. He had a big heart. and. He loved his players, but he, he didn't give you any grief. All day long, he was yelling and screaming at you. Really tough coach. A couple of little stories about Jimmy Roberts. So we're playing, there's a guy named Andreas Johansson. He's a, a first-round pick to, I think, Islanders. So one day at practice, we're there going out. We go to the practice rink. Andreas Johansson forgets his skates. So we end up at the practice rink. End up at the practice rink. We go on the ice. Andreas Johansson sitting on the bench. Jimmy Roberts goes, what are you doing? I forgot my skates, coach. You get on the ice. So Andreas Johansson's on the ice during oh, practice no. in his running shoes. Full practice. Oh, wow. Full practice. We're doing wind spins between the blue lines. He has to run his running shoes. We're doing corner battles. He has to run his running shoes. And guys guys had to hit him. Like, we go to one-on-one battle. Guys are running him over in his running oh, shoes. Oh, my gosh. So obviously never, <laughs> never forgot his skates again. And the second part of that story in Worcester. So Jimmy Roberts was a guy. He didn't like pucks on the ice for morning skate. No pucks, but you had to go through morning skate. So Jimmy Roberts out there, we're doing a three-man weave. Boom, boom. There's not a puck on the ice. Not a puck on the ice. We're snapping around like there's a puck on the ice. Three-man weave. Boom. Jimmy Roberts stops it. Hit the net! Hit the net! <laughs> the other team's watching. There's no pucks on the ice. Hit the net! Blows the whistle. Uh, guys on the goal line, down and back. We go down and back, not a puck. Go again. 
And Eric Fichot, who's our goalie, you know, he played for the Anders too. Yeah. Really high dropping. Eric Fichot's in Nets. He's had enough of it. He's like, what am I doing standing up? <laughs> so they there do, are no pots. So they do, we do a three-man weave. A guy goes down. I think it was Craig Derby. I forget who it was. Goes down and takes a shot. Eric Fichot lies down like a puck hit him in the head. Lies down on the ground. Throws his mask off. <laughs> the coach blows the whistle. Goes, Fish, what's wrong? That effing guy. <laughs> Hit me in the head with a slap shot. Da, da, da. He goes over to Darby. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing hitting the starting goal with a slap shot? There's not a puck on the ice. What are you doing? Yeah, Eric Fichot sprints off the ice. Trainer, trainer, trainer. Goes off. There's a trainer. Goes, there's, you got a number. There's no one. There's no pucks on the ice. Goes the other end. Trainer. Da, da, da. So Craig Darby that night. So we're at the game. Craig Darby gets healthy scratch because he's the starting goalie. <laughs> With an invisible puck. With no pucks. <laughs> I mean no pucks on the ice. It was Amazing. That's the stuff The stuff that we've had to go through in story. One more quick one about him is there's another guy. So the, the third part of that story is um, so we weren't playing very good. That was a very young team. You know, most mostly back in those days, everyone was older. You know, it's not like now where it's, everything's young, you know. So we, we show up to the rink and we're not playing good. Uh, Jimmy Roberts comes and goes, boys. We're like, we're, we're, we're all kids, so we're scared to death. Every day we go to the rink, we're scared. I was scared to death. And every day I went to the rink, what was going to happen? Because I want to play. I just want to play hockey. I don't want all this stuff. But obviously, as we went through the process, they're just testing with your brain, you know, your mental psyche, how you can challenge, how you can be challenged, how you can accept it, how you can go through stuff. Boys, yeah. I want every single one of you guys to tell me the name of the dog you think you would be. We're like, what? <laughs> I want it on my desk tomorrow morning. <laughs> he leaves, and you know us hockey players are like, what is going on? We're just, this guy's crazy. Next morning, we all write our dogs. He, he goes, and I want an individual meeting with every single one of you people. They're like, okay. So when I come in the morning, Army, you're up. I walk in. He's got all the line combinations. Doberman Pinscher, Pitbull, <laughs> Great Dane. He's got all the line combinations. And in the bottom right corner, there's a toy poodle. So all these great, powerful dogs in line combinations. He pulls and goes, Army, who do you think would write toy poodle? I'm like, I have no clue, Jimmy. I, I just wanted to practice more. You guys better find out who write the toy poodle because I don't want a toy poodle on my team. Goes in. Sure enough, there was a guy named Paul Broughton, one of the funniest guys I've ever played with from the Broughton family. Neil Paul, yeah, yeah. funniest guy. He got sent down two nights before from St. Louis, you know, making really good coin. He goes, I guess, he ends up going in the room having a meeting. Coach goes, legend has it, he goes in the meeting, and Jimmy goes, who wrote Toy Poodle? Broughts. I did. I don't want a Toy Poodle. Why would you write Toy Poodle? Because... I make a million dollars, Jimmy, and rich people like toy poodles. That's why I'm a toy poodle. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it. That's I guess it. when you're from the Broughton family. Yeah, there you go. He goes, did, he I mean, get, did he get cut? No, he could. He's sitting sit down from yeah. St. Louis. So he, he could do it every month. But anyway, so that, that was, that's my Worcester <laughs> story. End up, in, end up in Worcester. And then uh, that year, at the end of the year, I was, that was my worst year because they tried to make me a, they to make me a grinder, you know, so they're trying to make me a role player. I was taking face-offs, you know. I was kind of in flux because I went from scoring 100 points in every league I ever played in to win, almost winning the IHL Rookie of the Year to not playing in uh, Grizzlies 
but learning a lot because we won a championship that year, so I learned a lot how about winning. To go into Worcester my third year on my entry-level deal, to them getting 14 points in 60 games and learning how to face off. So it was a miserable year for me with, with Jimmy Roberts as a coach, you know, rest his soul, but he, he, he taught me a lot now, but when I was in a situation, I was like, this is absolutely miserable. So I go there, I get, they, they pretty much are done with me now. Because on my third year, I went from winning the IHL, almost winning the IHL regular year to end up barely even playing. You know, so they end up at the end of the year, Islanders weren't very good. They call me up at the end of the year. <clears throat> Last 18 games, me and Jared Doolin played really well. Ended up playing really well in the third, fourth line, scored a couple goals. So that summer, <clears throat> I put the work in again. End up signing a one-year deal. I come back, training camp, I go into training camp. Islanders in 96, 95, 96, I come to training camp. I lead the whole thing in scoring again. Lead the whole scoring, fight a couple times, da da da. You guys will love this story. And I'm fight, and I'm fighting, and I'm not. Believe me, I'm not a fighter. I'm not tough. I just, I wanted to play in the NHL, so I had to change what I had to do. And back then, you had to be able to stick up for some people. So I, I tried. I wasn't very good at it, but I tried. So the uh, training camp's over on Sunday night. Sunday night, they make all their cuts. Make all their cuts. We're opening Wednesday in LA. So I'm like. I think I got the team made. I mean, I played really well. I come in Monday. I come in Sunday. Mike Milbury is the GM. Yeah. Sit across from him. He looks at me. and Goes, Army. How do you think camp went? I think it went pretty good, Mike. You know, let the team score. Had some fights. You were awful. You were horrible. You didn't do any work this summer. You don't belong. You're going down to Kentucky in the NHL. Get out of here. I mean, I'm devastated. So in, in Nassau, you got to walk across Nassau. You got to walk across. The gauntlet, David Joe would know the gauntlet, and you go into the hotel. Back to the Marriott. Yeah, back yeah. to the Marriott. And there's always seekers there, fans. So I get all my gear, and everyone's around because they know that's cut day, you know. So I got all my sticks, my gear. I'm crying, you know, I'm crying, man. I, this is, I'm devastated. I, I thought I deserved to play in the NHL. I put the work in. I'm devastated. I, I can't play any better than I did. So I'm like, if that's as good as I can play and I can't make it, how am I ever going to make the NHL? I, I cannot possibly play any better. Walk across, got my all my sticks, thing, sign autographs, crying. I mean, professional athlete crying because I'm devastated. Get to the Marriott Hotel, pack up, go downstairs, pay my incidentals, call my dad. I'm like, Dad, what do I do? My dad, typical. Just go down and work hard. Things will work out. You know, you're, you've been playing good. You put the work in. Things will always work out as long as you work hard. Things will work out for good people. Wipe up my tears, take a shower, and when you come back in, in the hotel in um, – when back in our day, when the red light came on, that means there's a message. There's no cell phones, nothing like that. So I get back. Joey, Joey was our trainer, great trainer. Army, uh, Mike wants to see you again. I mean, I've been on an absolute emotional roller coaster. Like, I went from my dreams being crushed to my dreams being there to my dreams being crushed. And this is after a month long of training camp, playing 11 exhibition games, getting beat up a couple times. Like, I'm emotionally drained before the season even starts. So I grab my bag, he, he just said walk, so I walk across, sign the seekers again, crying, takes a picture, I go in, go down to see Mike again, I'm sitting there, Mike's looking at me, he goes, Army, he goes, don't ever take the NHL for granted, be on the bus Wednesday, you just made the New York Islanders. Look, I don't like Mike Milbury before that story. <laughs> but, like I said, what did but, you say? How did you react to that? 
thank you. What am I supposed to say? Yeah, yeah. I want yeah. to kill him, but I mean, Mike's pretty tough. <laughs> Mike's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, but beat just, you with a shoe. If but you that's, but then, like I said, nothing against Mike. But I'm not, you're not trying. I'm not trying to put anyone in why Mike. Yeah. That's just the way he operated. Yeah. yeah. Now that I know him, and now that I see him, that's just how we operated. Didn't want anyone to ever feel comfortable, you know. And then you know, and that's just what he did to me. And it, it probably made me stronger, but it, it's. And that's just that was just my story. So I ended up getting on a plane Wednesday, and uh, flew it to LA, and bought my first suit at Randy River, <laughs> purple suit, and got on the plane, and away I went. Yes, I made it '96. Yeah. One last minor story before we get to your time in LA, because yeah. I want to focus on that. Um, you played with the Detroit Vipers. Yep. In a pretty big game. Yeah. Uh, regarding hockey legends. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gordy Howe's last yeah. professional game. Yeah, so I'll tell you, I'm, I'm kind of like Forrest Gump a little bit, you know. I just, <laughs> I've had a really hard path to get where I need to get to, but along the way I've had some incredible journeys. And, you know, like I said, most people who do make it have to go through a pile of BS before they ever get their dreams. That's why most people can't play sports. It takes a lot of hard work, a little bit of luck, and a lot of love for the sport, you know. So, But, yeah, I was lucky. Uh, so after that year I um, ended up, Getting married to my beautiful wife Shannon. I have two great two great kids, Dawson Easton, and we're on a honeymoon in um, honeymoon in Hawaii. No cell phones, no nothing. All of a sudden, we get up for breakfast, have breakfast, and the phone rings. I answer the phone, and they said, uh, it's "The Ottawa Senators." I'm like, "Yeah." Oh, I heard you just got traded to the Senators or traded the Senators. Oh, signed July 1st. My agent was talking to me. I'm like, "What?" So the paper from Ottawa called me before I even knew I was going to the Senators. <laughs> In Hawaii, and at my hotel, I don't have a clue how they ever found that out. So I get a call from them. Yep, we go to training camp. Pretty good training camp again. Back to my hometown, me and Phil Crow. We get sent down to the minors after playing a full year. Uh, another great camp. They always just keep. The teams always just. I was always the last one, but they always seemed to like one player a little bit better every year. I'd be the last one in between me and another guy. And obviously, the way I looked on ice skating wise, they didn't think I could stay at that level, you know, for an 80-game season. So I was, it was always, a lot of camps I went to, was, I was always the last one cut, but it just, and then the guy they kept usually would never stay anyway. So it kind of got, bummed me out a little bit, but we got sent down to Detroit Vipers. Uh, Rick Dudley was, our, Rick Dudley was the GM down there. Yeah, it was great. Another good personality, lots of good stories. We get down there, and then we're playing in the Auburn Hills. We're playing Gordy House, coming back to play this. Sixth decade or fifth decade? I think fifth. Fifth decade, yeah. yeah. Fifth decade. He wants to come in, so he comes in the dressing room, and obviously a legend. I got a great picture with him. He's in there. He's flex all over, but <clears throat> this is how competitive he was. So in the dressing room, there's this friction tape. It's black friction tape. So I'm sitting there. Gordy's about two steps over, and I always want to do it. So I'm, listen to, uh, there's a guy named Phil Crow I play with. I play for the Kings, too. Tough guy. Great guy. One of my friends. I go, hey, Crozy. He looks at me and goes, can you pass me the Gordy Howe tape? <laughs> so Gordy stands up, goes and grabs the tape, and tosses it to me. It's great. But in that game, we played the left wing lock, which Detroit Red Wings, mm-hmm. you know, played that for a long time. So the left, everyone shifts, and the left winger has to stay with the left wing. So our team is playing. They started Gordy in the game. So we play as the left wing lock. We we end up losing the faceoff. The guy blows by Gordy because the defenseman forgot that Gordy was out there. Guy blows by Gordy, <laughs> gets a breakaway. Call offside, which it wasn't offside. I just didn't want to make him look bad. So they call offside. Boom, boom. Puck gets dumped. So the faceoff's just outside the, uh, the blue line in our own end, just outside to the right of right of the, the, the bench. Take the faceoff, boom, goes in. 
We, we get the puck in. Puck goes back to the point. Gordy skates to the slot. The puck hit Gordy Pow in the pants from the point and almost went in 5 hole. He almost uh. scored. <laughs> he almost scored. So he got one shift. He comes back to the bench. He's sitting on the bench. He sat there for the whole 20 minutes. He was expecting to play a regular shift. He was kind of mad he didn't get to play more shifts than one. <laughs> That's how competitive a guy like Gordy Howe was. He was sitting on the bench. He wanted more than one shift, and he didn't end up going. But it was, it was pretty cool and pretty surreal. And, you know, obviously between him and Wayne Gretzky, the best two players in the world I got to play with. And that got to play with both those guys, so it was pretty cool. And, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, at this point he was – 70? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Years well, old? And that's one of the stories I, because I played with Gretz, the Gretz the last year he played. So mm-hmm. I, I always say there's only one player in history that played with the Wayne Gretzky and Gordon Howell in their final seasons. That's me. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, you, so you get to LA yeah. um, in 2002. I wish I just got to LA. It was a, it was a long journey before yeah. that. I'll, just, I'll sum up. So I went, I ended up playing Rangers for four years. I won every award in the HL. I think I'm only got in history in all five major awards. Duh, 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 duh. Rangers would call me up for two games. They wouldn't play me, send me back down. They would never give me a chance there. Won the scoring championship, won everything. So finally, the, the fourth the fourth year, uh, fifth year of my deal, I came back and they said they offered, I was making some pretty good money. They offered me way lower. I'm like, I still at 28 years old, but firmly believe I should be playing in NHL because I, I couldn't stand all these guys playing. So I pretty, put, pretty much put my middle finger up to the, the North American hockey said, I'm going to Switzerland. I got offered to go play in Switzerland. So I thought I was done. I thought I was done in North America. Go over and play in Switzerland. Um, end up finishing. I was leading. I was leading. Uh, leading the Swiss league and scoring most of the year. I had a good player named Patrick Ulian. I had a really good, really good time there. I signed a three-year deal. Really good money. You had fifty-three points in forty-four yeah, games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my my roommate, my uh, linemate was Patrick Ulian, who was a Philadelphia Flyer guy. He had 14 goals. He was the best of the year. And then he played with me, ended up 30 with 31. <laughs> so our team was – and Burns, like if you ever get a chance to play in a lifetime or experience, if you're a real hockey fan, you have to go watch a game in Burn. 18, 19,000 fans chant your name. There's drums. It's the most amazing experience. I got to play for Team Canada over there in the Spangler Cup, which is a really cool experience. Another – just a little small one on that. So Spangler Cup, get to go in there. I'm leading the Swiss League in scoring. You know, I led the AHL in scoring, lead the Swiss League in scoring. I get to go play in Spain Cup for Team Canada because I never played. So I get I'm playing for Team Canada Spangler Cup, fourth line. I didn't play. <laughs> Same thing. I'm 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 leading all these teams that's going to go in the Spangler Cup, and all the guys that made like under 18 World Juniors are playing over there. They played over me. I played in the fourth line. I barely played. So another one just knocked me down. But I got lucky because Andy Murray had coached over there before. So when I got when I so he knew to scout people over there. So I. Rangers would never trade me. They still wouldn't trade me when I was playing in Switzerland. So I guess the Kings had worked out a deal to get me traded or something like that. And then until I ended up getting traded to L.A. And, you know, they asked me to come back. I had already signed a three-year deal over in Europe, and they asked me to come back, and, and I came back. And I come to training camp. I was really, really good in training camp. I mean, really good. I thought there was no chance in heck I'm not starting here. End up coming to training camp, call in. They end up keeping Derek Becker over me. So I get sent down to Worcester. I get, no, I get sent down to Manchester, go down to Manchester again. I'm like, oh, this is exactly why I left. I don't want to play in the minors anymore. I won every award possible in this league. So I go down to Manchester. My first game I played in the line was Steve Hines and Mike Camilleri. We have 19 shots as a line. We don't score a goal. <laughs> oh, goal. We were really good. So the next game I end up going to Boost. Uh, we go on to another, where do we go to? Bridgeport. Going to Bridgeport. That, the next night after that, we were going to Hartford, so I was going to get a big welcoming in Hartford, you know, because I was, uh, you know, I 
pretty good run there. So I go under Bridgeport, I end up getting a hat trick. So I scored three goals that night. Jason Allison, or Denmarsh, ended up getting hurt. So we're, we're on the bus to go to Hartford. It's going to be a really cool experience for me, you know. I played there, we won, just won a cup, couple years. Jeez. They call me on the bus, boom, you're getting called up to LA. My wife had just flew over there. She's pregnant. Oh, no. She's pregnant, and she has a, we have a two-year-old. She's in a condo. I haven't even been in a condo yet. So I have to get off the bus, get off the bus, catch a taxi to go get my clothes from the hotel because my wife just moved in a day before she just flew there because they said I'm not coming back to L.A. My wife flies to Manchester, never seen me play a game in Manchester, boom. I get on that at 29 years old, fly to L.A., end up playing 500 games. That's crazy. Um, the fact that you stuck it out for that long. It's yeah. Amazing. Like, just, just to say. I love to play. Well, right. Yeah. Right. That's just a lot about you, actually. Well, and, and, I was, and I was always asked that. People were like, you know, reminders I won't play all the All-Star games. You always get asked all these. Like, why are you still playing? I'm like, what else am I going to do? I mean, I love to play hockey. So I'm in the minors riding. Oh, my dad goes to work with a lunch pail, nine to five every single day. I'm, I'm getting paid to play hockey. Yeah. But I was so stubborn in my mind that, I knew I belonged in the NHL. There's no doubt in my mind, but it was not an easy journey for me. There was a brief period where you played on the line with Camilleri and Frollo. Yeah. And I thought that was a great line. Yeah. And I was really pissed when they broke that line up. Yeah, we really were. You know, I still talk to Fro. Fro just texted me yesterday. He's in Asia playing. So, you know, we had, me and Fro really had a... Where is he playing? He's in... Uh, like, uh, I thought he was here. He's not. He's not he here. Came here to some reason. He's in Asia playing. Hard. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. He's in one of the Asian pro leagues. He just texted me last wow. night. But that, that's the friendship you bond. Yeah. I seen him. I hadn't seen him in five, ten years. He came and skated with me. We're, you have these bonds. But we, we, the only thing about that line is me and Fro used to fight over the puck in the corner because we both loved the corner. <laughs> you know? But Fro was another guy. who's another unique individual. Just he's all these personalities you get to meet in hockey. You know, he'd show up five minutes before he had to go on the ice and love this coffee. But man. Could he protect the puck as good as anybody? And obviously, Cammy could, could score. But you know, I, I, if we would have been this day and age, I think we would have been all right because the league's a lot younger. It's just, it was hard for those two guys to, to get opportunities for us to play on the you know, top minutes or top power play because there's a, a line ahead of us. But if, if, it, if it would have been now and I would have played with those guys, then it would, it would have been great. And a big thing about that is that I think, you know, I played from 29 to 37. I think a lot of people forgot how old I was, to be honest with you, because I, I was such a young spirit. So, mm-hmm. you know, obviously Luke Blakey, amazing. I played with some amazing people, but they're always older guys. So I would never put myself in the older category. So when there was like an optional skate for rookies and young guys, I would always go. I would always go. So they, they never, I think they forgot that how old I was. <laughs> and when we played like, we play like blue white game with young versus old. They'd always have me on the young team, so I honestly think people forgot how old I was because I was such a young spirit. And it took me so long to get here. So I think when I was 34, 35, they still thought I was like twenty eight. You played sixty six games in your first season with the Kings, fifty seven games in your second season with the Kings, and then the league decides to go away from a year. <sighs> how just, how difficult was that for you? To same thing. I, and I had good numbers. You know, I end up I end up getting my. Finally, getting my shot, I played really well, and then the lockout 04, you know, it just it, it, it was 0406. 0405. Yeah, yeah, 0405. I finally got my foot in the door. Same thing. I, I just signed my first million dollar contract ever in my lifetime, so it was the biggest dream I ever got, you know. And then all of a sudden, they just the whole year stops. It never, it's never stopped for a full year ever, you know. And it wasn't even like a guy named Nathan Dempsey, he was my roommate. Oh, yeah. He's the same kind of path as me. He never recovered from that. I think the biggest thing was that is I went to um, 
uh, September, October, I was getting bored. I, I, I led every beer league in scoring in Colorado. <laughs> I played every, my wife was like, what is wrong with you? I went to every single rink every night and just played beer league because I, I love to play, you know. So everyone knows me in Colorado for that year because I, I played every beer league game you could possibly play. I played two or three a day just because I love to play. But I, I was going nuts, so I ended up going to play in Switzerland. So I ended up playing in Geneva that year. And I think that really helped me because I got, I played like eight or nine games, but it was competitive hockey at Christmas and I had, 14 points and I got to play 12, 12 games. Yeah. Michael, Seven Michael, goals, 10 assists. Michael Grosick. Yeah. I led that. So you love that story. So I went in there. They were, um, Marty McSorley's buddy, Chris McSorley called me, you know, he called me to come in. He's very, you know, they, they're, they're strong personalities too. You know, we, all of us have to have an ego at, at our, you know, when you play competitive and some of us are strong willed and others. And I'm a pretty strong willed person. I'm really laid back a nice person, but in the competition or you cross my path, I, I'm coming at you. Just how I was raised and just who I am, you know. So we get there. They call me. I mean, I was making nothing, but I just wanted to go play. So I ended up going to Switzerland. The team was in, like, 11th place. But I, I knew Michael Grosick because I played with him in Hartford. And, and Andreas Johansson, who I played with in Worcester. So they, they were asking me to come play. And I was just itching at a bit to go play hockey, pro hockey. So I get on a plane and go to uh, Geneva. I get there. Da, 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 I end up playing. First game, I was, I think I had three points the whole national paper. You love this story. National paper, they're starting because I played in the, in uh, 2000 where they loved me because I just, I'd run around hitting people. I'd jump in the glass. I'd salute the center isocratics. <laughs> I just loved playing in Europe, you know, because you, you didn't have to be as, pro you had to be professional, but you could be a little bit more of a character, you know. So I go in there, played really good. Michael Grosser goes and scoring. I think he had 11 goals and 11 games playing with me. But we go to this, a, a place called Bern. Um, me and Chris butted heads a little bit because I knew him from the minors, and but he needed me and I need I needed him because I wanted to play and he needed me because I, you know, I could help help score and help win games. So we're playing, we go on a five one run five one we go five and one we're climbing the ladder I think we're six or fifth or sixth in the league now. Since I've been there, I'm leading the league league in scoring now. And there's like Joe Thornton was over there. Joe Thornton and Nasser and Davos, Briere and Heatley were in Bern. I was in Geneva, so all the big boys were playing over there. So we go into Bern, Switzerland, which was the team I played in. We go in the first period, and I remember this. I still can remember my memory. So I'm on the bench, and I'm playing against Healy and Briere, who are really good hockey players. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good. Those guys are really good. So puck gets dumped in around the bench side. It goes around, and like you said, you get to visualize this rink. There's 18,000 people. It's like a soccer stadium. It's cold. The, the barn is awesome. The atmosphere is electric. I'm coming back in town. so. Place, they're all booing me now instead of cheering me, so it's electric. <laughs> I jump on the ice. Breer beats me off the ice, comes around. Healy goes backdoor. Breer takes the puck. One time's a backdoor. Healy puts it in the empty net. Like, I mean, world-class play. I come back to the bench, and, you know, Chris is screaming and yelling at me. NHL, I couldn't, there I could bite back a little bit, you know, giving it to me. Did So I go, and I just run some more and take a dumb penalty. Go back to the bench. We're down 4 nothing now, and I'm just going banana. I, I hate losing. I cannot stand losing, especially when I'm on display. You know, it's on my watch. I can't lose. Go in the room. Me and Chris have an FU match in a, out in out in uh, out in front of the dressing room. All the players can hear us because Swiss people don't talk back like that. You know, I'm I'm having a full of my screaming. They tell me I'm an awful hockey player. Tell me I suck. Tell me all these things. He goes at the end of the conversation. We had, he goes, Army, you suck, but we still need you. So just don't get hurt in this game. <laughs> This is how it ends. Like this is 
goes, you suck, you awful, you suck. But just don't get hurt in this game. And meanwhile, I can't let it go. So I'm like, oh, yeah, don't get hurt in this game. He goes, we have no chance. They didn't won in Burn in like 10 years. They've never won in Burn. I'm like, so that just feels me. So I go out, duh, 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 play pretty good. End up scoring a game winner, 5-4 with a minute 27 left. I come back to the dressing room. I just stand up and I start ripping them in front of all the boys. Duh, 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 ripping them because it's made me mad, so mad. I've had to go through all these journeys, you know, it made me so mad. I'm in a foreign country with foreign people and I, I always stuck up for what I believed in. It just, it just was the way I was raised. So we have this, I come back to the hotel. We are in this, they put me up in this rich, rich, rich hotel. I mean, there's more money than, you know, you ever see in your life. There's, there's not one person that makes under a hundred million dollars there probably, you know, in this hotel and everyone's wearing suits and stuff. And I'm walking around with my hat sideways. <laughs> like I look like a hip hop gangster. <laughs> this is the way I always dressed, you know, I'm just casual dresser. I walk in, I walk, the owner of the hotel's there. Mr. Armstrong, Mr. Armstrong, this big event. He goes, we have something for you. I walk out of my room. There's a huge fruit basket. <laughs> there's champagne and caviar. And the owner of the hotel's like, we never seen the Geneva team win a game like that. <laughs> we all watch it. From then on, it nice. became. So then, to continue that story, from then on, and, and it ended up, you know, I end up leaving at Christmas time. I won't spend time. But, it, you know, I've had some pretty cool adventures. So, yeah. Well, I hate to do this. We got to wrap it up for this one. Uh, no uh, worries, man. No can worries. we have you on again? Uh, I love talking. And like I said, I'm, we'll get into the King stuff, but I'm, I'm fortunate enough I ever get How's your mom, by the way? My mom's here, yeah. She made me uh, poached eggs this morning and uh, puts in last I night. love your mother. His mother's a, you think he's character? His mother's a character. Maybe we'll she have is, her on next time. She's there unbelievable. What a woman. <laughs> You'll need four she's hours fantastic. for one story. <laughs> fantastic. Like I said, thank you for having me. So we didn't get into the King yeah, stuff. Yeah, no, no. We'll, uh, we'll get to it. We'll have you on and... Uh, We'll, we'll get into it. Sounds great. So for Dave Joseph and Derek Armstrong, I'm Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.